Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Freedom in Jesus. How many of you believe there's freedom in Jesus? Anybody by a show of hands want to be in bondage? Anybody? No, good. I just wanted to do that just in case anybody was not paying attention and I could catch somebody raising their hand. I did that one time in a meeting. I was preaching at another church, and there was this lady who was on the front row that amened everything I said. Now, I love when people say amen while I'm preaching. It fires me up. But uh, this lady said amen to everything. I mean, I could say, praise God, I tied my shoes yesterday morning. She said amen. And so... <laughs> So I said, how many of you want to stay ignorant? And she said, amen, and raised up her hand. And then the whole church looked at her, and I thought, that was pretty awesome. So <laughs> praise, praise God. Just was testing you to see if you're awake this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in verse 16, and we're going to go down through verse 18. This is a familiar, potentially familiar passage for many of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 16 says, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, everybody say, turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is such an amazing passage in 2 Corinthians. I don't know if you've ever read the whole of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, but it is one of the most, it has been one of the most encouraging passages for me as a, as a church planter. Not just as a pastor, but as somebody who was called to plant a church and start it from nothing. Um, I walk through this building and I get super blessed just looking around because I can remember not so long ago when we started in the Ruritan Club in Blowing Rock next to the pool and there was like eight or ten people there. We had $482 in the bank and we started with faith. We just started on faith. I didn't, I didn't do what a lot of church planters do, which is raise a hundred gazillion dollars and invite 10,000 of their closest friends to come on Sunday because I didn't have those kind of resources. So we just trusted God and we said, let's get started. And we did that. And now here we are in this big, beautiful facility and the Lord's doing amazing things in our church. And so as, as time has gone on in this church planting journey, this chapter has been so encouraging to me because of what Paul says about the glory of the Lord that is hidden down on the inside of each one of us. That when we receive the goodness of Jesus, when we say yes to Christ and we become children of God, something gets deposited on the inside of us. And the thing that comes into the inside of us, in part, is the glory of the Lord. His glory gets placed in our lives. And the glory that comes into us is so much greater than the glory of the Old Testament. The, one of the things Paul is, is um, explaining to us is how much better the glory of God is that's in us versus the glory that, let's say, Moses had. 
You remember when Moses went onto the mountaintop to receive the Ten Commandments from God? The Bible says he was with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. And he said to the Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I'll cause my goodness to pass before you. And, and the Lord showed himself to Moses. And the Bible said Moses' face, because of that encounter, Moses' face shined like the sun so that the children of Israel couldn't even look at him. They had to put their sunglasses on, you know. They couldn't stare at him. And Paul is telling us that as good as that was, as incredible as that experience was, it pales in comparison to the glory that's been deposited in you and I from the instant that we say yes to Jesus. You are not trying to get glory from God. You are not trying to get the glory of God to manifest. It's in you to the fullest extent it possibly could be. His life, his glory, his nature, his power, his love, his grace is in you right now. And Mo, uh, uh, Paul is teaching us that in this passage. And he's saying even though, even though we have these challenges and these issues that come against us, we can't forget what God's put on the inside. And so that's why this chapter 3 and then again in chapter 4, these have been such comforting passages to me that in moments when I got discouraged in church planting, because how many of you know this isn't easy, right? This is not easy. I have some friends who thought it was easy to start churches and they started churches and then they realized, oh no, this is not easy. I don't know that I should have done that right? In the moments when it's gotten really difficult, I can always go to 2 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians 4 and just receive so much encouragement, so much strength. Why? Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He goes on in chapter 4 to say we're crushed and pressed, or excuse me, we're pressed on every side but not crushed. How is it that you can be pressed, pressed on every side and not crushed? Well, it's real simple. Whatever's on the inside of you is stronger than whatever's trying to crush you. Come on, say amen. Whatever's on the inside of you is stronger and more potent than whatever's trying to crush you from the outside. And so Paul is telling us, what is that thing that's in us that's more potent that can't be crushed? It's the glory of God. And he makes a statement in this passage that's so strong, and it comes from verse 17 where now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. I don't know if you realize this this morning or not, but you are free in Christ Jesus. Amen. You're free. You don't have to live bound. You don't have to live afraid. You don't have to live scared of what tomorrow will bring. You don't have to live in bondage to any addiction, in bondage to any fear. You don't have to live under the circumstance. You can reign over the circumstance because of who is in you, because the glory of God that's in you is greater than the pressure that's trying to come from the outside. So he says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, there's a couple things that I want to tap into in this first part of this verse, and then we'll talk about the things that we've been freed from, okay? The first thing that this verse does is that it establishes for us the lordship of the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about this for a moment. We often say things like this, Jesus is Lord, right? Jesus is the Lord. How many of you believe Jesus is Lord? Isn't that awesome? Well, most of you. That's good. For the rest, we'll have a, line, a healing line at the end of the service. Praise God. 
You can come get right with God. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. No, we understand that Jesus is Lord, don't we? But we don't often think about the Holy Spirit as Lord as well. The Bible teaches us that, that God is three in one. The Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, if, if all of them are one, I mean, just use some basic like third grade logic. If all of them are one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and one of those ones, Jesus, happens to be Lord, doesn't it stand to reason that the Father and the Spirit would also be Lord as well? Yet we treat the Holy Spirit as some different entity than we do Jesus or the Father. Oftentimes we think of the Holy Spirit as goosebumps, right? Or some kind of feeling. The Holy Spirit's not a feeling. He's a person. He's a person. He's part of the Godhead, and he is as much Lord as Jesus is. And we need to reverence and, first of all, understand, and then secondly, reverence his lordship. Amen. We need to understand his lordship and reverence his lordship. Because here's the deal. When you make the Holy Spirit Lord, you begin to honor him as Lord, and that honor unlocks and opens your ability to receive from him. If I don't honor, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately because I'm writing a book on honor, and it's something I think is so missing from our culture, but the Lord started talking to me this week about how how honor opens and dishonor closes. Honor opens and dishonor closes. Honor opens the door for me to receive from you. Dishonor closes the door for me to receive. Let's say you had a million dollar gift for me, Jeff. Let's just say that you, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, there you go. Let's, let's say that you had a check for a million dollars you wanted to write, but, and, and you wanted to give it to me, but I never got close to you. I never got close enough to receive from you, right? Well, whose fault is that? It's mine because I've closed the door by refusing to honor you by refusing to do what it is that you wanted me to do so that I could get close enough to receive. And so many of us do that to the Spirit of God. We don't recognize Him and reverence Him as Lord, and so we close our hearts to receive the things that only He can give us. Can I say one more thing about honor before I get back to this? Honor and respect are not the same thing. Honor and respect are not the same thing. I can honor somebody that I've lost respect for. Think about it. Anybody ever had a political leader let them down? (laughs) It's a rhetorical question, guys. Everybody's had somebody let them down and lose respect for someone. But you know, we still honor them. Because honor is what God has required of us as believers. And that honor opens the door for us to receive. All right, I'm I'm not going to talk anymore about honor, but here's the deal. When we honor the Holy Spirit, when we honor him as Lord, rather, we will receive things from him that we wouldn't otherwise get. So the first thing that this verse does is it establishes for us the lordship of the Holy Spirit. We should therefore never be afraid of the presence of God's Spirit. We should never have a reason to fear the Spirit of God. 
Because he's just as much Lord as Jesus is. Okay? Now, let's keep reading. It says that wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I wrote it this way in my notes. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is either yielded and submitted to or made manifest by His presence, there is freedom. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is yielded to, whenever I yield myself to Him, or wherever His presence is made manifest, there is freedom. So if I'm not yielded to the Holy Spirit, I probably won't have freedom. And if I'm not in a place where his presence is, where I can sense his tangible, manifested presence, I won't have the same kind of freedom. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yes? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, where his presence is, where he is yielded to, where he is honored, where he is respected, where, he is, where we are open to him, in that place there's freedom. Now, One of the things that the Lord kind of pointed out to me as I was reading this, I've read this scripture many, many years. I've heard it kind of my whole life. You know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And I just kind of read it fast. And sometimes when you get comfortable with a verse, you can read it a thousand times and it just kind of becomes old hat to you. You know what I mean? And then I was reading this not too long ago and the word there stuck out to me. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where? There. There. Where the the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What do I mean by that? I'm not going to find liberty in the place that I think it might be. I'm not going to find freedom in the place that I think I should go. Where should I be? I should be wherever He is. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Are you following me? You see, why is that so important? It's because we as people run to and fro. We run all over the place trying to find freedom and satisfaction in all these other facets of life, and we neglect the one place that God said that it is. Right? We, talk, we, we do this kind of stuff. Oh, y'all are going to get mad at me in a second. We do, this, we do this kind of stuff. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry I couldn't come to church this Sunday. Just had to go to the lake, man. I had to get some time alone with God. Don't come at me with that. You could have time alone with God every day of your life. You don't need to go to the lake to find Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's a a condition of heart. It's a place that I make for Him in my life. If I'll open my heart and make room for Him, in that place I will find liberty. In that place I will find freedom. I don't have to climb a mountain and visit a monk to get a breakthrough. Why? Because the Spirit of God's been put on the inside of me. And if I'll just yield to Him, if I'll anticipate and expect His presence, then I'll find some freedom there. There is liberty. Where? There. Amen. You see, we short-circuit our own, our own maturity. We short-circuit our growth in the things of God. Because we, we lose sight of the things that, that he's clearly spelled out for us that would actually help us. If I just honor him and make room for him, I have what I need. So there is freedom, not where we think necessarily we're going to find freedom, but where he is, where the Spirit of the Lord 
is reverenced. Now, the freedom that's mentioned here, I want to say this before we, we drill down in, into it. The freedom that is mentioned here is not, is not freedom, or excuse me, I read it wrong in my notes. Let me start over. Take two. <laughs> Click, take two. The freedom mentioned here is freedom to God, not freedom from God. What we are not talking about is independence. There's a difference between liberty and independence. A lot of people think that, oh, Jesus made me free, so I'm going to do whatever the heck I want and live apart from a dependency on him. And the the funny thing is, that's just so stupid. (laughs) Right? If I could just be, you know, honest, that's just like a real dumb way to think. You and I could never be independent of God. Do you want to know why? Because he's the creator and we're the creation. Nobody here is responsible for putting your breath in your body. Anybody responsible for crafting your own brain this morning? No, you didn't put yourself together. As long as we are the creation and he is the creator, we will always have a dependence upon him. So when we're talking about freedom, we're not talking about freedom from God. We're talking about freedom to God. Amen. My life is hidden, the Bible says, in God with Christ. My life, your life is hidden with him. We exist in him. That's an amazing concept. We exist in him. The Bible says in him we live and move and have our being. Wow, everything that I do in this life is connected to and a part of who he has made me to be. So why on earth would I ever want to be independent of him? Why would I ever want to be free of God? Doesn't make any sense, does it? Like I said, it's just kind of stupid, right? So the freedom that he talks about is freedom to God, not freedom from him. It is freedom to be dependent. What if I just shifted my thinking just a little bit so that I started to rely on God for everything? Sean and I were talking just this morning before church started, and he quoted a a minister that is a good friend of ours. And he said, you know, when, when, it's, when you live a life with God, every morning should be like Christmas morning where you wake up and go downstairs and say, Lord, what have you got for me today? Isn't that right? Did I say that right? Okay, good. <laughs> every morning, every day, we should wake up and go, Lord, what's on the agenda today? What do you got for me today? I know there's a gift. There's a present. I see some of them. It's under the tree. Can I open them yet? You parents that have kids, you know what Christmas morning is like. It's intense, right? It's, it's 5.48 a.m., and you're just trying to sleep, and there's somebody pounding on the door, jumping on the bed. Can we, can we open them up now? What if we came to God with that level of anticipation every single day and said, Lord, what's today look like? What have you got for me today? I love being dependent on you, God. This is wonderful, Boy, what a way to live. Think it'd be hard to get your prayers answered if we lived with that kind of expectation? I don't. Amen? So we have the freedom to be dependent. So those two things, if you're taking notes. Number one, this verse teaches us that the Spirit of God is Lord, just like Jesus is. It exposes us to the Lordship of the Holy Spirit. Number two, 
It teaches us that we can be free to be dependent on God. Now, now that we've established those things, let's talk about what we're free from. This is the what's in it for me portion of the message, right, Sean? (laughs) Let's talk about the things that we're free from. I've got four of them for you. Number one, you're free from sin and death. Woo, glory to God. I mean, we're just going to go through boom, 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 boom. I'm going to show you exactly where the Bible says you're free from sin and death. Now, if I don't say anything else for the rest of the day, that's enough to keep you excited till you die or Jesus comes back, whichever one happens first. Come on. That's enough to prime your pump that you are free from sin and death. You want me to prove it to you? Go to Romans chapter 8. Oh, I'm fit to be tied. I'm about to get excited in here. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Such a good verse. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Do you realize? Do you realize that before you and I came into relationship with Jesus, before we got saved, before we submitted our life to the Lordship of Christ, there was a law working in us. There was. And that law, Romans teaches us, is what's called the law of sin and death. So that no matter what I did, no matter what condition my life was in, no matter what my you know, my family heritage, no matter what, how much money I did or didn't have, no matter my age or where I lived, no matter where I went, I couldn't escape from the fact that sin and death were at work in me. It it was as though the deepest corruption possible was constantly at work fighting against anything good that I could ever do or accomplish. My heart, your heart, was at, the Bible says, at enmity with God, meaning that I was opposed to God. I was God's enemy. Think about that. The law of, the, of, of sin and death produces in us the thing that makes us God's enemy. I mean, we, don't, we sometimes don't realize how, um, what's the word that I want to use here? We sometimes don't realize the gap, the chasm, the, the starkness of darkness and light. We don't realize the condition we were in without Christ versus how different that is from the condition we're in in Christ. Ephesians tells us real clearly, you were dead in trespasses and sin. Sin and death was at work in our life, literally making us God's enemy. And think about how radical it is when you got saved. You literally went from being somebody that God is opposing all the time. I mean, it's one thing for your family members to oppose you. It's one thing when your kid gets lippy and, you know, you say, you know, clean your room. And they say, no, I'm not going to do that. I mean, that's one, that's one level of opposition, right? What if God is opposed to you? What if you're God's enemy? What if God is diligently working against your success? That's kind of intense thought, isn't it? 
That was literally the condition of every human being born into this world apart from Jesus. And then look at how incredible it is that now when you get saved, you go from being his enemy to being his best friend and his favorite. Everybody in this room is God's favorite. You're all Jesus' favorite. You literally, I mean, think about that. That's amazing. Salvation is so intense. He took me from being his enemy to being his closest friend. How did he do it? According to Romans 8, he freed me from the law of sin and death. He took that thing that was working in me called sin that was producing this outcome called death and he removed it and he pushed my sin and me far away like the east is from the west. He separated me from that foul nature that kept me his enemy. So what's the first thing you're freed from? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You have liberty from sin and death. You don't ever have to sin again. You don't ever have to have the stench of death in you ever again. Romans chapter 6 is another verse that points this to us and drives it home. Romans chapter 6, verse 18. Watch this. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves or servants of righteousness. Having been set free from sin. That, that, that sounds like liberty, doesn't it? You've been set free from sin. So the good news is that sin can't control you anymore. You're its master, not the other way around. See, when I was without Christ, when I was God's enemy, my whole life was the slave of sin. Whatever sin wanted me to do, I did it because I was its slave and it was my master. But now that the Spirit of God has come into my life, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Now I'm not the, I'm not the slave anymore. I'm the master. I'm the ruler over sin. Sin doesn't push me around anymore because it's not allowed to. Amen. Are you getting this this morning? There's so much freedom in understanding who God has made us to be. So number one, what are we free from? Sin and death. Number two, deception. Ooh. Deception. John chapter 8, verse 32. John 8, 32. John 8, 32. How many of you want to be free from deception this morning? How, wouldn't it be cool? Let me ask it to you this way. Wouldn't it be cool if nobody could ever lie to you again? I mean, you can't stop them from telling you a lie, but what if, what if you were so free and the Spirit of God worked in your life so much that you saw through every lie? What if you couldn't be, if it was impossible for you to be deceived? Well, it can. It can be. Watch. John 8, 32, and you, this is Jesus talking, and you shall know the truth, and what will the truth do? The truth will make you free. You see, there is freedom that comes when I know and I understand the truth. When I come in contact with the Spirit of the Lord, the one who is the Lord and the one who, where He is, there is liberty. When I come in contact with Him, I come in contact with the truth. The Bible says, John, Jesus said in John 
He said that the Spirit of God would lead me and guide me into all the truth. And it's the truth that makes me free. So when I encounter the goodness of God, I have freedom. I have freedom from being deceived. Because he's the spirit of truth and he's leading me and guiding me in the truth. And when I, when I know the truth, the truth makes me free. Nobody can pull the wool over my eyes. The devil, here's the real, here's the real benefit. The devil can't convince me that I'm not who God says that I am once I know the truth. Once I've encountered the Spirit of God and I've yielded myself to Him, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty from what? Liberty from being deceived by the enemy. Liberty from being lied to about who you really are. Man, the devil is bent. He is bent on getting us to believe that we are something other than what we really are. He's just so bent on introducing all these options in our life. Well, you're not really a son of God. You're, let's try being a good person. <laughs> He's going to introduce all these different options that look kind of good. But none of them are who God's called you to be. Did you ever watch a game show like Price is Right? where they have multiple showcases, you know, the great showcase, and there's three different curtains. There's three different options. What's behind curtain number one, curtain number two, curtain number three? Well, the enemy, that's what he loves to do. He loves to put on a show, and he loves to give you 10 different curtains to pick from. Any of them would be fine with him because none of them are the will of God, and they all kind of look good, and they all kind of look enticing, and he's going to deceive us by getting, introducing all these different options. Well, God says that I'm supposed to be healed. Well, okay, let's just live with a little bit of sickness. Or let's, you know what, let's, let's do this. You still go to church and still believe and still have everything that God wants for you in this area, but just be a little sick. Or no, let's go to the doctor and let the, we'll let the doctor do what he does and, and that, that's, that'll be fine. Let's just, I, wa I wanna keep you from living at God's best, so I'm gonna introduce all these different options. Y'all follow what I'm saying? I'm not, I, I don't hate doctors or anything like that. My point is, my point is this. The enemy will introduce all kinds of options to keep us from what God says is ours. But if we know the truth, the truth stops all of that stuff from working. What can you be free from? You can be free from deception. Number three. Number one was... We're free from sin and death. Number two, we're free from deception. Number three, we're free from bondage. Bondage. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Galatians 5, 1. Oh, this is so good. Are you still with me? We're almost there. We're almost there. Galatians 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty liberty by which Christ has made us free and don't be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Do you want to know what that bondage looks like? Do you want to know what that bondage is referring to? It's referring to you and I trying to earn our salvation through a bunch of dead works. Let me put it to you this way, a little clearer. That bondage is us trying to be perfect all the time to get God's approval. 
Let me tell you, friend, that is an entangling bondage situation you do not want to be in. Anybody ever had to try to earn God's favor or felt like you had to try to do a little bit more? Maybe if I just pray in tongues a little bit longer, maybe if I read my Bible for an additional hour, then I'll be spiritual enough that God will be pleased. That's bondage. And that's entangling. You don't want to be there. We used to, you know, when I was uh, younger, we, we lived in Florida, and I had a couple idiot friends that we would go fishing uh, quite a bit. We had some good times. They weren't the best friends, but they had a boat, so uh, so we, we would go fishing. And so I, we would fish, and what we would do all the time in, in the west coast of Florida, we'd go in the intercoastal waterways, and we would cast net. You ever see a cast net? And we would cast net for our bait. We didn't want to pay for bait, so we would go catch it. So we go catch our bait, and we would throw these cast nets, and all the time, no matter how good of a cast netter you were, something got tangled. And the fish, actually the bait fish oftentimes, would get tangled up in the, in the net. So you had to take time to get these things untangled. This is what Paul is talking about. If you can get that image in your mind, that the harder the fish would struggle, the more he would get caught in the net. Paul is teaching us here that we've, we've been given liberty and freedom in Christ, and that freedom is that God's already made us righteous, so we don't have to work to earn his righteousness. We don't have to work to earn his favor. I don't have to tick all the religious boxes to get my needs met. I'm simply loved by God, and he cares enough about me, and he's made me his righteousness, so I don't have to work to earn his favor. I'm in his favor just by being me. Y'all didn't say amen loud enough. That was really, really, that's really good preaching. Okay, I just got to tell you. It, I'm going to say it again. Thank you, mother. That's my, my mom goes, say it again. <laughs> praise, praise God. Listen, here's the good news. This is the gospel. You don't have to work to earn God's favor. And the, here's the deal. The more you try, the more entangled you get. But there's liberty in Christ that we can be who he's called us to be because he put his spirit on the inside of us. He made us righteous. And now I get to stand in that liberty. I get to live in the freedom that my life is hidden in God and that I am who he says that I am. My identity is in him. Glory to God. What are you free from this morning? You're free from bondage. Stop trying to work to earn something that God gave you. Glory to God. Number one. We're free from sin and death. Number two, we're free from deception. Number three, we're free from bondage. Number four, my final point, we're free from captivity and oppression. Oh, this is a good one. We're free from captivity and from oppression. Look what Jesus says in Luke chapter four. This is amazing. Just listen. You don't even have to turn there. Just listen. Jesus is talking here. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah. He's in the temple and he says these words. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty. There's that word liberty again. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty. There it is again. To set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. 
Do you want to know what the acceptable year of the Lord is? That goes back to a Hebrew tradition, the 50th year of the calendar, uh, of, of the Hebrew calendar was called the year of Jubilee. Do you know what the year of Jubilee was? If you go to church, you probably do, but if you didn't go to church your whole life like I did, you might not know. The year of Jubilee is the year where all debts get canceled. Seven, seven, seven year periods getting to 49, and then the 50th year is the year of Jubilee. So that no matter how deep you got in debt, if you were in Israel at that time, all debts were canceled. And everybody took the year off to party. Amen. That's it. That's what the Jubilee year is all about. Everybody took time off to have a good time and say, hey, guess what? You've owed my family, you owed my family $3,000 for the last 49 years. You've collected so much interest over those 49 years, you now owe us $834,000. But guess what? The debt's canceled because you made it to the year of Jubilee. You held on until the 50th year. That's the, accept, that's the word there, the acceptable year of the Lord that Jesus is talking about is the year of Jubilee. It's the year where all your debts get canceled. It's the year where no matter how many times you screwed up in the previous 49 years, you get a fresh start in year 50. That's the year of Jubilee, and that's what Jesus came to declare over you. He came to set at liberty those who were oppressed. You may have been oppressed by demonic deception. You may have been oppressed by any number of things. Could be sickness, could be strife, could be disease, it could be fear. There are people in this room been oppressed by fear for years. You're afraid to tie your shoes in the morning. Anybody, anybody ever had fear for their kids? You don't have to raise your hand, but I have. That's from the enemy. That junk comes from the devil. Being afraid for the well-being of your children. I mean, did God say he was going to take care of us or did he not? Are we going to believe him or are we not? You may have dealt with all kinds of fear in your life. And you know what? That's oppression. And Jesus said, I've come to liberate you from oppression. I've come to set you free from all of that junk. You and I can be totally free from everything that the devil wants to put in our lives. This gets me so excited. This gets me so pumped up to think about because no matter how many times I've messed up, no matter how many times I've yielded to that spirit that wants to depress me, no matter how many times I've yielded to that, that, that demon that's trying to bring up strife in my home, no matter how many times I've yielded to want to fly off the handle at my kids, no matter how many times I've yielded to whatever the oppression is, whatever the temptation is, whatever thing you were held captive by, you could have been held captive by it for 49 years. But guess what? It's the year of Jubilee. Jesus came to, to tell you that you're free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This morning we are free from sin. We're free from deception. We're free from bondage. We're free from oppression. We're free from everything the enemy wants to do to bring you down. You're free from it this morning. And what are you free to do? Free to be totally dependent on God. Oh, Lord, today it's all about you, Lord. This morning I'm totally dependent on you. What do you want to do today, Lord? What have you got for me today, Father? Man, 
Oh, that we could get out of our own heads and get out of our own way and quit putting up with the crap the devil tries to put in our lives. Yes, I said crap in church. It's just a bunch of junk that the devil wants to put in your life. And he's constantly trying to deceive. And you have a right to stand up and say, no, I'm not going to put up with that anymore. And I know maybe some think that they don't, but you do. Please hear what I'm saying. You do. You have a right to tell the devil to shut up. Kick him to the curb. He's an idiot. Amen. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's liberty today. You don't have to be bound by the things that have bound you in the past. And that's good news. That's the gospel. We'll say, well, how do, I, how do I experience that, Pastor Josh? How do I walk in that? How do I take that from being a good idea that I heard about at church on Sunday to actually living that on Wednesday afternoon? How do we get from here to there? Well, I'll tell you. You begin to reverence and honor the lordship of the Spirit of God. Honor him as Lord. Honor him as Lord. Did I just lose this microphone? Oh, no, it's still there. Okay. Okay. We honor him as Lord. If you make time and space for him in your life and yield your heart to him, you'll see things begin to change. You'll see things begin to turn. Amen. Let's stand up to our feet this morning. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.